0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: I'm halfway there. We're just saying that it's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the
2: time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field the 68
3: till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college troops every single night. Welcome to the Thursday evening, well, technically the Friday morning edition of the Field of 68 After Dark here on Sirius XM Channel 84. That is the ESPNU station. We're live over on YouTube. We're streaming there. If you're watching, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, jump in the chat, ask us questions. My name is Rob Doster. We're presented by our partners over at Bett River Sportsbook. And man, do we have a crew tonight. I am joined by Stadium Insider Jeff Goodman, Oklahoma State head coach Mike Boynton, and former CBS Sports talking head uh, Frank Martin, now on the field of 68. The Sweet 16 kicked off with a bang tonight, guys. Gonzaga went down. Arizona went down. Villanova survived Michigan. Uh, but we're going to start out in San Francisco where Coach K and Duke have advanced the elite eight. They're one win away from Coach K's first Final Four since 2015. Jeff, I'm going to you first on this one. What do you what's your takeaway here? Duke, they took a punch in the mouth. They came back and they won.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, you're you're a young team, predominantly freshmen and sophomores. You just beat uh, one of the toughest teams in the country. And and a team that again, elite defensively, and you did it to me kind of by committee. Uh, everybody produced. Jeremy Roach was terrific. And he's been the guy that I know I've questioned probably the most at that point guard spot. But when it mattered, he kind of showed his poise, uh, making big shots, making good decisions down the stretch. And Coach K is now uh, one win away uh, from a Final Four and in his final year. That would be one hell of a story. Now, not one easy win away either.
3: Yeah. They draw Arkansas in the elite eight who knocked off Gonzaga. We'll get to that game uh, here in just a little bit. Mike, let me ask you this, the the play of Jeremy Roach, we talk about point guard play on the show, probably too much to the point that we need a buzzer or some kind of counter something on here to, uh, to, uh, to, to keep track of how many times we say it. Uh, That's been our question with Duke all season long and he was terrific down the stretch.
4: You can't talk about point guard play too much. In fact, I would argue that may have been the demise of Texas Tech tonight. Texas Tech didn't get great point guard play. They didn't get somebody to kind of get them in, in offense and get them great shots. O'Banner made some who shots. He didn't get a whole lot of opportunities uh, because they have guys kind of masking as point guards who are really just natural wings. But no question, Jeremy Roach was sensational. Probably as good a game as he's played all year at the right time. And, but you can't ignore what Paulo Bancaro and Mark Williams did in terms of their presence. So kudos to, you know, we talk about obviously being old and Texas tech is what the epitome of college basketball is right now, but a bunch of young dudes stepped up and, and, and uh, helped coach K get to the elite eight. And that was pretty impressive.
3: Yeah. Frank, let me ask you this you're, you're you've coached toughness. I think you coach toughness better than anybody else in the country. That's kind of what Texas tech is known for. And we didn't, we question that. Jeff and I have questioned that about this Duke team throughout the season. Uh, how, how were you impressed with what you saw out of Duke tonight, being able to handle that? Because that's not something that I think that we expected to see.
5: Uh, no, I'm not. And and, and uh, um, I mean, here here's the thing: when when you play a team that's known uh, to to play with a certain level of toughness, the opposition watches film, and the players say. I got to get ready for this one because these guys are coming at me, and um, you know, and they they see it. and And what 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 happens with a team like Duke is their individual players. We tend to forget that we're talking about Jeremy Roach, McDonald All American, Carroll McDonald All American, Wendell Moore, McDonald All. I mean, just keep going, and and it the the talent level individually is ridiculous. And when they're getting ready to play to go to a final elite eight and, and they know they're playing a team that they watch film players, players pay attention. And, and they sit there and they're watching and say, I got to make sure I show up because these dudes going to knock my head off. If I ain't ready to go and the whole world won't be watching. They, they bring it for that day. The thing with Duke's team is when they play somebody that maybe doesn't bring that toughness, do they bring it on their own uh, to match that talent? And that's, that's a, uh, um, you know, that's been the question mark all year, I think, from the times I've watched Duke play.
3: Yeah, it's – it's there. the talent level is there, and I think that you can make the argument, Jeff. When, when Jeremy Roach is playing the way that he played tonight, this Duke team I think is probably the, the – well, they're clearly the most talented, but I think you could say that they're the best team left in this tournament.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, like, Gonzaga just got knocked off. Arizona's on the ropes right now. Kentucky's gone. You know, I got Kansas here in Chicago. I've said, I I think this Kansas team can win the whole damn thing. I I really do. I mean, again, Remy Martin looks different. And I talked to him a little bit last night. He said he feels the best he has since he got to Kansas, that he was hurt when he got there. And and he's kind of tried to play through it. And finally, Bill Self had to tell him, like, we're going to shut you down. Because you're not getting any better. I, I just think now this thing is wide open. But, yeah, Duke is the most talent. I mean, look at it. You've got Paulo, who's a top four pick. You've got A.J. Griffin, who's a, a lottery pick. Mark Williams is going to go in the first round, likely, late first round. Wendell Moore probably ends up playing in the league. Like, they got talent. They got talent. They're young. But they got talent. And, and they're not really freshmen anymore. But I, I do think this was a statement win for a team that was embarrassed a couple of weeks ago on their own floor by North Carolina and they responded, right? They didn't respond in that game and they responded tonight.
3: Yeah. We've seen that a couple of times from them in, in this tournament so far. I thought that it was really impressive. They got down by five with about five minutes left to Michigan state gave a big, big run. And again, it was Jeremy Roach hit a couple of big shots. He hit that big, I think it was a step back three with about 90 seconds left to give him a four point lead. Um, it's, how how difficult is that? I mean, when you're Mike, when you're coaching these guys up, I mean when you're trying to coach someone, coach confidence in some of these younger kids, you've dealt with freshmen, you've dealt with fun and duns, you dealt with Kate Cunningham. Is that is it a difficult thing to do to kind of coach them up to, to learn how to execute in these moments?
4: I, I think it is. And and obviously Coach K's got great experience with it at this point. You know, he resisted this mode to coach a bunch of freshmen early on when Cal was doing it in 2010, 11, 12. Coach K wasn't really doing that. He was kind of resistant to it. And then he got it figured out himself. Like, you know, just get the best guys you can and over the course of the season. But this this Duke team in particular has teased us at times. They also didn't respond in the ACC tournament against Virginia Mm -hmm. Tech, right? And so you've seen that enough to know that they're capable of not responding in that moment. But obviously they know everything's on the line now. When you lose now, it's over. And what's the weight of on those kids is the, when they lose, Coach K's career is over. And there's no question in my mind that they hear that, that they feel that. And obviously, they want to make sure that their talent, as collective as it is, you know, gives him the best opportunity to go out with the most memorable season that they can. Because, again, there was multiple guys. A.J. Griffin made some big shots for him tonight. Yeah, let, let me ask you
3: guys this. I I think I would make the argument there was more pressure on them in that final game in Cameron because of all the hoopla leading up to that. Like you had the full week of nothing but talking about Coach K's last and cam last game in Cameron. You have all of these famous Duke alums coming back. You have the whole ESPN set up there for like forty eight hours. You have Jeff Goodman showing up and sitting in tents with a bunch of college kids, which is not creepy at all, Jeff. Um, it, it's. It's in the tournament. Like everyone knows, when the tournament's over, like you go into these games, your season's done. If you're a senior, your career's done. If you're a one and done freshman, your your college their time in college is done. I, I'm wondering, Frank, do you think there's? I, I thought there was more pressure on them in that last game at Cameron than there is in a tournament setting like this. Is that? Am I just talking myself into circles here?
5: I I I don't think it, was, it. I think it was a combination of pressure and distractions. I mean, they're they're a real young team. Uh, they've got all these incredible players hanging out around practice. Um, coach K, I, I don't care how good a coach he is. There's no way he was as focused in as he needs to be to get his guys geeked up to play in a rivalry game with so many distractions going on. It's just, it's, uh, it, it's complicated that way. And uh, I thought they played really well in the conference tournament. And then I, I watched them. And then they go up against Virginia Tech, and they just laid an egg. But I thought leading into Virginia Tech, I was like, okay, they bounced back from that game. They're playing really well. Uh, so it's uh, – um, I, I thought leading into that game, I was not surprised North Carolina won because it, uh, it was just too much. Too much hoopla, too many distractions. The, the, the whole pre-games – like me as a coach, I did senior – senior day this this year after the game because every year we do it before the game and it's it, it and that's like You're what spam, they did it right? do was like senior day on super steroids right. and and you know and that senior day before the game man there's so much emotion yeah. and 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 you know guys are like man I ain't never doing this again I'm not playing in this building again Imagine that whole deal for that one game. So I I agree with you, uh, Rob. I I thought the pressure and the distractions uh, were just too much.
3: Frank, let me tell you a little story here, okay? It's Rob Doster story time here. Uh, two days before Duke played North Carolina in that last game at Cameron, Jeff and I did a show together, and I said to Jeff, "I would not be surprised to see North Carolina win that game." And oh, Jeff you hedged said, your bet. You said on one hand, Jeff said, Jeff said they're going to win by forty-two points. He said forty-two exactly. <laughs> that is a quote. I will pull out quote. the video. I will we'll put it out there. So I'm. Just but you were a hedger. Look. You were a hedger. I was. I mean, you I might was. as
2: well have brought out the, the hedges and clipped the, the you know, <laughs> your, the, the, whatever you got out front. Really? I don't even think, I don't know if you got anything out front in your yard, but um, listen. I, I have I have a big question for Francisco. Okay. I have a, a huge question. Oh, boy. That everybody wants to know right now about Frank Martin, and that is, what did your wife get you for your birthday yesterday?
5: Uh...
2: I I we we
5: went out to dinner with the kids and uh then I came home and my favorite shoe brand is fur uh Ferragamo's.
2: Yeah, they're nice. And, expensive, uh, Frank.
5: I I fancy. I I fancy. I've Very created fancy. A, from, fancy. from when you first <laughs> met me back in the day, Jeff. I've created yeah. some expensive habits from back, oh. then. I, yeah, the day of Levi jeans and a pair of Chuck uh, uh, oh, Taylors.
2: <laughs> they were tough skins. When I first met you, you were in tough skins. It's, it's a little different now. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, it's a little different. And
5: But uh, uh, I had uh, these beautiful cufflinks, because I love cufflinks when I wear suits. Uh, two pairs of, like, casual Ferragamos and dressy Ferragamos and... Uh, I, I'm not a scarf guy, but she got me this incredible scarf. Like, like I, I, want, to she, I want to see you in a scarf. I want to see
2: you in a scarf. But don't, we need, we need a picture of Frank
4: in a scarf so I, bad. I can't, I can't imagine this right now. I I've never,
5: I, Jeff, I, you, you know, I lived up there in Boston for four years and, uh, i never wore a scarf in Boston. Is this I, foreshadowing?
2: Is this foreshadowing,
5: Frank? I, I've never worn a scarf in Kansas. Have you been in a Kansas? Well,
2: you have because you've been out to see Kansas winter. Oh, my God. Hey, I saw you at Kansas State. Cut the shit. I, I came out. I saw you. Yeah, you did. You did. You did. And I saw you in South Carolina. It, hey, it's the that, only that benefit. Plane,
5: that plane you take <laughs> usually comes down from the northeast. It, it did. Yeah. And it gets towards Kentucky. And it don't go further south. It turns to the right and heads west. It's, uh, you know, it's, yeah, but, and by the way, the reason Remy Martin's playing better here, I can't help myself. This is, this is a Rob Frank joke, is because he's become VSOP. Now he's the good one. (laughs) It's, you know.
3: (laughs) I like it. I like it. I'm here for that. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, look. Uh, Houston just knocked off Arizona 72 to 60. We're going to get to that game in a little bit. Before we we head to our first break, I just want to ask you this, Jeff, kind of big picture. Is the Coach K storyline is going to dominate the rest of this tournament? Do you think that is a good thing for college basketball, that that it's going to get more attention? Or is it is it something negative where instead of celebrating some of these other stories like Kelman Sampson and Houston losing their top two scores and get back to the Elite Eight, like Arkansas and Eric Musselman finding a way to knock off Gonzaga, like St. Peter's or Purdue or North Carolina, whoever it is, do, is it a good thing to have Coach K involved and Coach K making the run that he's making right now?
2: Yeah, I know. I think it's great. I mean, I think it's terrific for the sport. It's terrific for the Final Four if he gets there. Now, again, you still have to get past Arkansas right now. Mm -hmm. Kelvin Sampson right now, man. That dude, as Mike Boynton said before we went in the air, Hall of Famer, period. What he's done this year, I know we'll get to it. Um, But, yeah, I I think it's good. But, again, we got 48 hours right now. and, And if Duke gets knocked out, they don't get that runway, right? That weak runway at the final four. But if coach K, if they get to the final four, yes, it's, it probably is going to be a little too much uh by the four letter network in terms of how they overdo the coach K story, but let's face it. It's, it's all about ratings, right? And, and coach K is going to sell more than Kelvin Sampson if they beat Villanova, right? I mean, that's just, that's pure and simple. Now, I think the Kelvin Sampson story is, is more amazing. If he if he beats Villanova and gets to the final four for the second straight time, this time without his two top offensive players, it's a hell of a more impressive coaching job than what Coach K has done with frigging four pros, even though they're young. What Kelvin Sampson will do if he beats Villanova this year might be among the greatest
3: coaching jobs we've ever seen in the postseason. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about that coming up next when we get into this next segment talking about Houston and Arizona. But we got to take a quick little break. We got to pay the bills. Uh, So we'll be back talking Kelvin Sampson and Arizona. Clear for 90. All right, Dagan, we got any questions in the chat? Uh Frank and Mike we are still live on yeah. YouTube just so you just so you are reminding
2: know. you Frank we're <laughs> reminding you
3: reminding you guys. every time
2: every break we're going to remind you Frank just in
5: case I can not I ain't getting in trouble I say whatever I want to say I don't have to answer to anybody right
1: now, <laughs> right now the operative word right now <laughs> Um I- uh, this is more for for Jeff and Rob. Uh, the chat's looking for an apology for the whole the whole Duke situation. They said everybody picked Texas Tech day. So I don't know if they're looking at that from you. I wasn't on the last two days, so I don't know who they're looking at. From, one minute from that. What are they going after? They want they want an apology for nobody picking Duke the last few days. I don't know who they're talking about there, but I've, yeah, I, I mean I've been away those, for a few those,
3: days. Those those scrappy underdog Blue Devils nobody likes, them. they never get any <laughs> right. attention. No one talks about them. We you know we really should pay more attention to Duke on this uh, on this. They channel. need Next a new question.
5: coach. They
2: need <laughs> to right. <laughs> run out the other guy. No, this was, this was listen. And, and we haven't talked about it, but the job Mark Adams seconds. did this season was really, really, and Mike can speak to this Texas tech. Nobody thought they'd do anything close to this.
1: No, that was, 20. It was
3: impressive. Dagan, you got anything else
1: quick? Uh, yeah. Uh, Goodman. Where'd you eat in Chicago? Cubs win 2012 once in a the-
3: I ate at
2: this place called. Ten uh, seconds. Tell you. Uh, it was okay. It w- it was fine. It was uh, five. Shit! What was it called? Doc B's. On Two. Brand. One.
3: We are live. It is the field of 68 after dark Rob Doster, Jeff Goodman. I have Mike Boynton and Frank Martin here with me. We're presented by our partners over at bet river sports book. We are live Sirius XM channel 84. That is the ESPNU station. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Uh, gentlemen, we got to talk about Houston taking down number one seed, Arizona in the South region. Kelvin Sampson loses his top two players. Doesn't matter. Still gets to the Elite Eight, knocking off a, a team that Jeff had picked to win the national title this season. So, uh, Frank, Mike, let not. me ask you guys this. Let me ask you guys this. <laughs> I'll put, I'm just gonna put words in your Jesus. mouth. You can't stop me. You um, have me. me ask, you
2: have me having Iowa to the Final Four last you week. Did. I mean, you did. I did. That not. one was true.
3: That one was true. Oh, that one was true. But let me let me ask you guys this. How 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 difficult is it when you lose two pieces as important as the pieces that that Houston lost? Like how how. I don't think people really realize how difficult it is to kind of change what you do and, and the job that Mike did. Frank, let's go to you first on this one.
5: Yeah, I, I, no doubt about it. Uh, that's, that's a difficult uh, obstacle to overcome. Uh, but when it happens early in the year, you've got time to reinvent yourself. Uh, but, but Houston is the perfect example of what it's like of who you are as a team, not who plays for your team. And uh, uh, they, they, they've got a way that they play. They play. There's a confidence that they have in who they are. And they're going to go out and they're going to play that way, regardless of who's out there. And um, like what I, the thing I've been most impressed is that the guys that were on the bench were that good. And yet everyone right. continued to play as hard as they do. And, and no complaining. No, you don't see transfers out of Houston. You don't see all that stuff. Um, that tells me a lot about Kelvin and the kind of atmosphere that he's got in his team, uh, you know, and his staff uh, that, 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 you know, you lose two guys that both played 30 minutes a game. And now guys that were playing six minutes a game are so good. And, and, you know, and it's uh um, but but Houston, to me, I, I get it, man. I, you got to have really good players to win. I, I, anyone that argues that point doesn't know anything about coaching. Um, but at the end of the day, your team has to have a... If you're going to have a good team. Every time you walk on the floor, there's got to be something that represents who you are before you take the court. And with Houston, I, I mean... I don't care who he puts in there. Like you watch their big guys, all their six, eight guys, they all, they all do the same things, you, you know? And you're like, all right, let's get in their bench. The bench guys come out and they perform the same way the starters do. And uh, uh, I, I think that's, uh, I respect the heck. I Anyone can put five really good players on the court. Not too many people can make a team play the game the way that they want to play. And, and Kelvin does that as good as anybody in the country.
3: Mike, you want to know what's even more impressive about it? Not only did he lose Marcus Sasser and Tremaine Mark, uh, Tremond Mark this season, but Quentin Grimes went to the NBA last year. DeJon Giroux graduated last year, and they were supposed to have Caleb Mills, who ended up transferring. So he lost his top five guards from the team that he had last season. And it, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. There's just, they have great players just lining up in
4: Houston, apparently. Well, the truth is, you have to beat who they are not who they have. And what I mean by that is it doesn't matter that Caleb Mills didn't buy in, for whatever reason, to being a part of what they wanted to do moving forward. It's that Jamal Shedd did. Mm-hmm. And Jamal Shedd is Houston basketball. And Kyler Edwards is Houston basketball. And Josh Carlton, who people forgot was a good player at UConn, is Houston basketball. And it starts with the everyday approach of not settling for anything less than what they demand from you, right? So what you know is going into the game, we have to block out Houston, right? You can practice it and talk to your team about it till you're blue in the face. When the ball goes up in the air, they're still coming. (laughs) And they're coming from Taz Moore. They're coming from... You know, and and, and you got to deal with their their identity as a program more so than their sets. It's not about scouting. They don't run anything complicated. In fact, I would imagine that Elvin Sampson would tell you exactly what play they're gonna run. He <laughs> would be fine with you <laughs> knowing exactly what play they're gonna run because he knows his guys are tough enough to screen you when they're supposed to screen you, to cut hard, to pass the ball. And then again, when the shot goes up, are you going to be mad enough to deal with an onslaught of guys attacking that glass? They don't even get that many. Uh, they get a lot of offensive rebounds, but they get as many second points and guys not, the defense not even going for the ball, being worried about blocking you out and knocking it out of bounds. So they get the ball on the baseline out as much as anybody because they get dead ball offensive rebounds because teams are just trying to survive when the shot goes up. So
2: here's my question to you guys. My, my big question going in with Houston was like, all right, they, they played in the AAC this year. And, and let's face it, the AAC was not great. It was like, a you know, to me, you know, mid-major league for the most part. Um, but they went up against an Arizona team that I thought played in a weak-ass Pac-12. And I went to Arizona. But I didn't think it was deep. Y- you wonder how much that played into it, too. Arizona again they split against UCLA then they beat UCLA uh in, in the pac-12 tourney I, I just you know again how much how much stock should we be putting in that with a Houston in a league that didn't really challenge him all that much except Memphis do you think it helped them at all in a way to get that confidence up with a bunch of dudes that might have needed it at that time when they lost sasser when they lost mark
5: yeah I I I I I'm going to give you a quick answer. Yeah. Uh, The only way to beat Houston is to play multiple times. So your guys get used to what's coming. You you, you play in a league. See, very few people coach offensive rebounding anymore. Very few. So if you're not coaching your team to offensive rebound, how do you reciprocate that in practice to teach your guys the physicality of every rebound that comes off the rim? You don't. So when you go play them, and now all of a sudden, they're just beating you like Mike said. It's not just the ones they get, it's the ones that fall out of bounds that, that now they run a baseline out of bounds and, you know, and you're, you're continuing to scramble. And um, so I, I, I think that like Memphis, Memphis plays them so much, and, and obviously they have manpower too, that they get to a place that you're, like if you're gonna step in the ring with Mike Tyson, and the first time you get punched in the face is by Mike Tyson, you're not gonna you're gonna go down. You have to get used to the strength that he hits you with, so you're comfortable staying in front of him. And that's part I think that's a big big part of uh, teams that have never played the physicality that Houston plays with. It freaks you out when you're on the court with. Them.
3: Yeah, and there's there's no teams like that in the Pac-12. There's no teams like that in the WCC, and we'll talk about that a little bit with the Gonzaga. I want to ask you guys this though, uh, Mike. You're from you're from uh, New York City. Any chance you know Mike Tyson? Because I would love to be able to to get him to be able to punch Goodman in the face. Do you think we can make that happen?
4: I don't know him personally, but he did like, grow up. At, we I did be, grow be, up weaving and bobbing. <laughs> we grew up in the same neighborhood. Obviously, he's an icon in Brooklyn, but uh, I, I don't know him personally. I wish I did.
2: I once. How about this, Rob? Oh boy! No, no lie, no lie. You know who oh Peter boy. McNeely is? No. You ever heard of Peter McNeely? No. No. Tyson kicked the crap out of him. He was like a, a tomato can for for Tyson when he came back from a layoff. He's from uh, Medfield, I believe, Massachusetts. I was at a bar once. I knew McNeely a little bit, and uh, I was at a bar in Milford, Mass. Once, and I'm I, no lie, a dude. I did nothing wrong. A dude was going to hit me in the head with a bottle. I had my back to him. He was going to hit me in the head with a bottle. I'm talking to
3: McNeely and McNeely stopped him. You, I, I guarantee if someone was going to hit you in the head, you. I did nothing. You of all people. I did you nothing. You absolutely did something. And made, hey, I would up to it.
5: Hey, Rob, just walk through the main lobby with Goodman at the final four. I guarantee you there's about 40 coaches going to try and hit him over
3: the head with a bottle. Yeah. You absolutely, there was something you did to deserve to get hit with a bottle. I'm telling you, I did nothing zero, but McNeely saved
2: my life. So I'm forever indebted to Peter McNeely.
3: So I've, I've spent a lot of times in, uh, in bars and I can tell you, I've seen people get hit in the head with bottles. Every single one of them deserved it. So I'm not going to, I'm (laughs) going to, I'm going to let you have your moment. You could say whatever you want to say, you can have this one. I'll, I'll let you have it. Uh, You know, while, while we're on the, the topic, Jeff, I want to ask you about Arizona. It was Tommy Lloyd, unbelievable job um, winning the Pac-12. Uh, I don't think anybody necessarily expected this kind of season out of him. What's your takeaway? What do you think about them moving forward? They're going to have to revamp some of this roster, obviously, uh, with pieces that they're going to end up losing. But how do you feel about the, the future of the Arizona program?
2: I mean, it was huge. It was it Listen, you need momentum more than anything else, especially if you are a rookie head coach, right? If Tommy Lloyd doesn't get momentum this year, people start to say, you know what? Well, was this the right hire? Should we have hired Damon Stoudemire or Miles Simon or somebody else like that? But again, I've said this all year, it was the perfect storm, right? He was left some really good players by Sean Miller. He recruited a really good bench that all kind of, bought into their roles and they had a hell of a year. Again, I I was never completely sold on their point guard play and Kirk who was hurt, but again, you know, the, overall their point guard play worried me. And as, as I've said, I say it more than anybody on the planet probably how important I think point guard play is. And I think you need multiple guys these days to go to a final four and win six straight. So they had a great year. No shame in what they did whatsoever. If you had told them they would get to the sweet 16 this year, be a number one seed, win the Pac 12 regular season and, and, and conference, you know, title, like, come on, that's a hell of a year for Tom. They have that momentum now, right? They've had it already, recruiting. They've gotten some top players. So the program's in a in a great state compared to where they thought it would be. Similar in, in different circumstances when Sean Miller took over. Everybody thought it, it was a train wreck at that point. Remember, like Kevin O'Neill, I'll give you guys a great story. i only tell, I'm the only knuckle. I'll tell this story. So, Kevin O'Neill should have been the head coach, not Sean Miller. He had the job, the interim job, right? Look, look at Frank shaking his head, going, What the hell is I'm just coming?
5: glad I'm not in this one. I, I've been in plenty of Kevin O'Neill stories. I'm yeah. glad
2: I'm not in this <laughs> one. <laughs> well, so, KO was a former Lud Olson assistant. So Lute brings him back because he trusts him and and whatnot, and he's probably going to be the next head coach because Lute's dealing with some, some health issues, the late, great Lute Olsen. And uh, so KO, I didn't really know him well. Honestly, I didn't know him well, and, and Lute's taken a, a – at this point, he's taking a leave of, of absence away from the team and everything like that. KO comes up to me, maybe the first time I met him, maybe the second time, he is killing Lute to me killing him. And I'm like, "You dumbass, you know what? Like I I went to Arizona. I I actually developed a relationship with Ludolson. Like how dumb can you be to do this to somebody you don't know? And if you're doing this to me, you're doing to other people, but you know what I did? I called Ludolson. I'm like, "Be careful with this dumbass. He's killing you behind your back. This is your program." This, and again, I wasn't the only one. Well, next thing you know, Kevin O'Neill, he was out the damn door. He should have been the head coach at Arizona, not Sean Miller. Anyway, Sean Miller got fortunate. He got Derek Williams. And that saved his ass right away to get that momentum that he needed. And you guys know how important momentum is. Tommy Lloyd's got it.
3: Yeah. Well, we'll talk a little bit about his former team here. Uh, in just a second, Gonzaga goes down, loses to Eric Musselman, they lose to Arkansas, uh, and our, the, the Hogs are back in the Elite Eight. For the second straight season, we're going to get into that coming up next. Wait for 90. I got to work on these teases, Jeff. These my, I'm struggling with the teases today. Yeah. Like yeah. Teases, my,
2: my, you like my, that my KO teases. story? You guys like that, that, that KO story? That was, good, that, was right? a good,
3: that was a good story. If you guys will uh, forgive me for one second, I just got to let you know today's episode uh, is sponsored by Honey, the easiest way to save money when shopping on your phone or your computer. Have you ever been in the spot, Jeff? You're shopping for something online. You get to check out when it asks you for a promo card. You start Googling to try to find a way to save some money. Now, thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past because Honey is the free tool that scours the internet for you and finds the one that best fits your cart. Here's how it works. You're shopping. You check out the honey button pops up. You click apply coupons. You wait a few seconds and the price that you have to pay goes down. I use honey. I just bought my son all of his T-ball gear. I've told people this. Uh, Anyone with kids knows how expensive that can be. But honey allowed me to save like 50 bucks. I think I I saved $47 uh, on T-ball stuff using honey. So it's easy. It's free. It works on a desktop. It works on a laptop. It works on a cell phone. You just got to activate it in your Safari App, so if you don't already have honey, you are missing out by getting it. You're going to be doing yourself a solid and supporting this show. I never recommend something that I don't myself use, so get honey for free at joinhoney.com/slash March Madness. The link is in the description. All right, uh, Dagan, we got any questions?
1: 10 seconds.
3: Never mind, <laughs> you were too
2: slow, you were too slow on that read. That's what that's you. I'm two, struggling with reads, one, teases.
3: Welcome back to the Field of 68 After Dark here. Sirius XM, Channel 84, the ESPNU station. We're streaming over on YouTube. If you're watching there, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, jump in the chat, ask us some questions. We're going to be talking uh, and answering them during the afters. Rob Dosser here. I got Mike Boyden. I got Frank Martin. I got Stadium Insider, Jeff Goodman. Frank, show your your shirt,
2: Frank. Show show the picture on your shirt a little bit. Pull up your shirt. Donis Haslam man the enforcer that was that was entertaining to watch last night. Jimmy think, Butler you must I don't care how many years you should have
5: you should have yeah. seen him and the guys on my team back in 1998 in practice every day. Talk about Houston oh. Oh.
2: yeah there's a reason they keep you Haslam, Haslam uh, and, and they pay him to stay on that bench right?
5: He, he's all man, all man. It's, uh, uh, and he's, he's, uh, he's all about winning. He, he fights anything that disrupts winning and and he yeah. doesn't care if it's his best friend, the assistant coach, the manager, the guy behind the bench, the guy on the other team. Uh, if something's going to disrupt his team
2: from winning, he fights it.
3: Will he fight Jeff Goodman? Can we get him to punch <laughs> Jeff Goodman? <laughs>
2: what, everybody's <laughs> going to punch me. What am I a human punching bag tonight? And there's no Peter McNeely around to help him out (laughs) (laughs) All
3: right, listen, we got to talk about Gonzaga. We got to talk about Arkansas. I thought that that was, uh, you know, there's been talk about the officiating. We we can get into that in a little bit if we need to. But I thought that that was a a, a really, really impressive performance from Eric Musselman, from his game planning, from uh, what they did to kind of slow down Drew Timmy, what they did to try to slow down, Um, Andrew Nembhard. And of course it helped that they got Chet Holmgren out of there in about 23 minutes with the five fouls. Mike, what was your, what was your takeaway from that game, that performance in, in this Arkansas team?
4: Yeah, it's super impressive. I mean, obviously they had a really strong game plan uh, and they were unrelenting for 44 minutes. I mean, they, I don't know if I remember Gonzaga getting five easy shots all game. They got nothing in transition you know, everything was challenged at the rim. You know, obviously, Nimhart never really got going. And they, they really kept the two bigs off balance. You know, the foul trouble mm-hmm. certainly was a factor with Timmy and Chet. But, you know, obviously, this this game at this level is about guard play. And Gonzaga did not get very good guard play today. Notay, even though he, you know, he, he, not, he doesn't mind emptying his clip to give his team a chance. <laughs> no, he, was he does not. But, uh, you know. Frank's obviously coached against him. He knows that, you know, muscle men's is good of in-game, you know, in terms of preparation and having this team locked in as anybody in. And obviously they execute a tremendous game plan and then moving on.
2: That's the quote of the night right there. Doesn't mind emptying his cliff. I like that one with <laughs> J.D. Notay. So true. So true.
3: Frank, I want to ask Do you, you well. about Jalen Williams. Um, I, I think he's one of the, the highest IQ players in college basketball on the defensive end of the floor. He's always in the right spot. He's not this crazy athlete, but he just, he he knows where he needs to be. He's smart on the offensive end. It, it feels like he's the piece that makes everything else work on this Arkansas team. Am I, am I right there? Am I, am I barking up the right tree?
5: Absolutely. You're, you're they, they've got a bunch of six foot five, six foot six perimeter defenders that are all long armed and switch and, and just contest hard and then he is a great, he's like, everyone talks about Chet Holmgren because he he's such a shot blocker. Williams might not be a shot blocker like him, but he doesn't give you the rim. He's all, he's a six foot 10 guy that you don't get the rim when you go with the basket. He's always in the way and he's a position defender, not a, a, a steel shot blocker defender. And then offensively, he like they asked me, I thought, uh, uh, Gonzaga would win the game. I, that's what I thought. I thought Timmy would create a problem for them. Um, but, uh, but like Mike said, you know, the, the that, that Arkansas defense just swallowed up Nimhart and Bolton. And if your guards don't play well, at, if your guards don't play well, it's hard to win at any time, but at this time of year, you got no chance. And, um, um, and then offensively, they they play five out. And and now Williams, they run their half-court offense through Williams. Everything goes through him. It's not Note, it's not the point guard. It's not everything goes through him. And when Trey Wade's making threes like he did today, they become impossible because now Williams drives your center from the top of the key where they play him from. They play him from the top of the key and the elbows, and he plays off the bounce. And if you get back, he can make that shot. So it's, uh, uh, they're, 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 they're a difficult matchup for anybody uh, because of how interchangeable and similar. You know, everyone talks about small ball, like, ah. I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm starting to be one of those old farts. Denny Crum started small ball. You know, the, the McRae brothers from Mike's neighborhood. They were six foot eight, but they were guards. Why you know that he played Wiley Brown or something like that? Wiley I, I can't remember his name. I that was his center, who's a six foot seven guy. And 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 then they, you know, Dr. Daryl Griffith and Poncho Wright or whatever, and they were all six foot five and they'd switch every screen. And, and you're and old, Frank, you're old, mouth. you know that. What's that? You're old. I, yeah, I'm old. I, I've become, <laughs> I'm, I am the new version of the old crusty bastard. Like. I'm the new one coming through. All those other guys have gone. I'm the I'm the new one, but but think about that. Like everyone talks about small ball now, that's what Danny Crum did back in 1981, and um and, and that's this Arkansas team reminds me a lot of how those Louisville teams used to play back
4: then. Hey, Aldis Tony was huge on the glass for them as well, man. Yeah, yeah. both defensively and offense. Obviously, his block to seal it was impressive, but he had a couple offensive rebounds in a one possession game that really gave a chance to run some clock, get some separation, make Gonzaga foul and, you know, little things, but he he was a master of the little things tonight. Well, yes. I, I thought,
2: I thought, like you said, Mike, I thought one of the things that you have to do with Gonzaga is control their guards, right. And their wings. And, and if you can do that, you put so much pressure and Chet was out of the game. So you put so much pressure on drew Timmy and let's face it. We've seen it before. We've seen that Timmy's, Listen, he's going to keep going at you. We know that. But length and athleticism clearly bothers him. It makes life difficult. And he could get through one dude, and then somebody else is waiting for him at the rim. And, and that's just too much. There was too much on Drew Timmy tonight because, again, Nemhard struggled. We saw that. Strother you know, didn't really come to play. Bolton wasn't great. And, and the biggest thing that I feel like now, if you ask Mark Few, you wonder – would he regret not playing Hickman and Salas more in the WCC when he had a chance to do it against some teams again when he could have?
3: I, I don't, they, I don't, I don't know how much of a difference it would have made. Difference it would have made in this specific matchup because to well, me, but they're, they're was, was, Hallis, Hallis, uh, Salas is super athletic. Like that's no, where I, I, I get think that, they were missing was, a guy. To me, this was about Arkansas not letting them get out in transition and then not guarding Timmy outside of about eight feet so they could just clog up the paint and, and not give you any kind of – like they just – they ate up those guards. So maybe it would have been, you know, Hickman and, and Salas could have been the guys to get that first kind of paint touch and the the, the first jibble penetration to create a closeout for someone. But that, to me, this was just about if, – if Gonzaga can't score in transition, it, it really limits what they are offensively. Well, they didn't shoot it. And they didn't shoot it that from too. three.
2: You know, they had done a hell of a job all year shooting it, and that was the one thing we were worried about going into the season. Now, part of that was Arkansas. I I thought they got out in the perimeter shooters, but, again, part of it was probably this isn't a great shooting team. Chet was their best perimeter shooter, and he was on the bench half the game.
5: I'm just telling you, you don't have – people have no idea watching from the stands or on TV – on how long like we talked about houston being physical because of the rebounding arkansas is really physical defensively they mm-hmm. like they're long they're old they're athletic and they guard you out there on the perimeter it's really hard to get open looks on the perimeter against arkansas let
3: me let me ask you guys um this jeff you mentioned that that chet Holmgren was on the bench um and and look it, guys that are still coaching you you uh, you can politely say no comment on this one but uh, Goodman the uh, the the officiating in this game it feels like yeah. it's been a storyline throughout the tournament which is really frustrating and I, I wanted to make sure that we didn't talk about this towards closer to the end of the show because the, to me this win was about Arkansas uh, having a better game plan and out executing Gonzaga. But you can't ignore the fact there was that out-of-bounds call that the officials missed. There was a trip that they missed. Both of those, both of those missed calls led to buckets for Arkansas. Uh, and the fouls on, on Chet, I thought that he probably had three actual fouls instead of five for fouling out. We, it's, it's been consistent throughout the tournament. We saw it with North Carolina, their comeback. Uh, Baylor's come back against them. Uh, I think North Carolina got called for 13 straight fouls in that game. Um, is 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 it a problem, and is it something that we can fix, or is it just what it is in college? But basketball? it's been a problem. It's been it, like it's not like this is anything new. We we
2: say this every year. We forget about it, and, and we say, well, yeah, it's worse this year than it. ever. No, I don't think it is. I think it's been pretty consistent. The only thing I would say is these guys are tired at the end of the year when they should be fresh. And I have said it and I'll say it over and over and nothing will ever be done, but what they need to do is have one universal assigner that doesn't send these guys all over the country, right? You don't send them to LA and back to Omaha and then back to LA and then to South Carolina. Like, come on, what are we doing here? Keep them, keep them in a region for a week. You want to pull them out of that region at some point? Keep them in that other region for a week. Let them drive two games. Let them not have to get on flights. And and don't let them – I know you – again, I, I get it because they're not going to pay for benefits and make them full-time employees. Um, but you you got to try to cap – you can't be working 21 straight days or 21 to 22. They're going to be tired at the end of the year when we need them to be at their best, and they're not.
4: I'd agree on that. I think we get diminishing returns because of those guys. You know, they're working five, six days a week. You know, a lot of them are older guys, right? Who, are, And a lot of
3: them, that's their side gig too, right? Like this isn't sure. just their
4: full-time sure. job. Some They have other jobs too. And so, I mean, they're, mis- they're humans. They make mistakes. Right. And right. so, they're going to miss calls. It's the nature of it, right? As coaches, we make bad calls ourselves. Kids miss shots, turn the ball over. But... Unlike them, we got to go answer questions from guys like you guys a lot and say why. They don't. Right? And for them, they go home and, you know, even if they get it wrong, they may say they got it wrong, but the next night they're officiating somewhere else. So there's no real accountability until this time of year, right, when you're trying to advance in the tournament. But it's a pretty good gig, man, for guys who don't have to answer questions about <laughs> why they did something. <laughs> That's, you know, Frank's I've, quiet. I've
3: similar- why,
2: why is Frank so quiet? Over- you don't have a job right now, Frank. Come on, bring it.
3: He's a big fan of the officials.
5: The, the, it, it, here's, here's one thing that, that I think's really messed up is they're asked to officiate the game a certain way to make the NCAA tournament. And then they get in the NCAA tournament and they officiate the game completely different. And, and, and that creates a problem that, uh,
2: cause how would you change it? What would you, what would you, and I know we don't have a lot of time. You, you tell me, Rob, what we got left right now, but well, what, what is, what is the way to change fix here, this I'm, problem
5: here? I'm going to give you an example. Okay. If you ask any official that works multiple leagues, he'll tell you that the sec is by far the most athletic league in the country. So now you, you take an official, that has been working nothing but big 10 games which Big Ten officials pretty much work Big Ten games. And the Big Ten is an unbelievably well-coached league, but the athleticism is not the same. Yes, same thing with Gonzaga. They, they don't play in, in, a, um, in a conference that presents what Houston brings to the table. And now you put a Pac-12 official in a Houston game, they're gonna call some fouls on the Houston players because they've never officiated right. that physicality. And if you take a team, an official, that's done Houston five times, and now he officiates the Gonzaga game, he, the Gonzaga people are not used to those guys being allowed to play with that physicality. Uh, so I, I don't know how you fix it other than making officials work every league. That's why I'm with you. I think it should be a universal deal and and what I wouldn't do is let officials go from California to Nebraska on two days over for two games over a three day period. Makes no sense. I, I'd make a group of guys work the West Coast for a week, and then send them to the Midwest, and then to the South and the Northeast, exactly. and yep. just keep moving guys around.
2: And then um, when they leave, when they leave the region,
5: they get two days off
2: yeah. in between.
5: And, and here's the other problem in the NCAA tournament. You got me started on referees. Now, now you got to deal with me. here's the other problem so you take in the NCAA tournament you take an SEC guy that that's seen athleticism and you take a big 10 guy that that officiates a league where they set a million screens and then you take a whatever west coast conference guy that's not used to the size and athleticism that these two leagues present you put those three guys in a game they've never worked together they don't, they don't have that flow chemistry. to call yeah. the game consistently. So now, Jeff, you're the referee on the baseline on my side of the floor. You're calling some things that the guy on the other baseline doesn't call. And you can say it all evens out. No, it don't if you're always on my baseline. And and it it, it messed, you know, it just that that's what I think complicates the
3: NCAA tournament i agree um listen we gotta we gotta head to a break here in a second when we come back we're going to talk villanova we're going to talk michigan and why colin gillespie is the best closer in college basketball clear for 90 one thing that was uh mentioned to me by a wcc coach is that gonzaga when they get in the tournament is not used to not getting every single call uh he basically said let me let me find the 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 text it was uh they only get the best possible whistle in the, True. In the WCC, True. the best possible whistle. So they get into the NCAA tournament. You got all these guys that are physical and going to get up in them. And all of a sudden they're not getting every single call. You don't have Timmy getting 20 free throws a night. Changes the way that you can do some things.
5: I think Mike Boynton will tell you that there's a similar team in his league. Kind of, you know. One minute.
3: <laughs> who, who, would, who would that be? Baylor? They didn't play Oklahoma?
5: Yeah, so yeah. Keep going. You're getting
3: close. Uh, oh, te- te- Texas. No, definitely no, Texas. No, no, de- no. De- yeah, you went the wrong. You Texas. went the wrong direction. Definitely Texas. Oh, K- Kansas State. Jerome. Everyone's yeah, got respect yeah, nah, for. Now you're getting tank. warm. <laughs> now nah, you're getting warm. Oh man, it's always fun when you play eight and five in the fog, right? Oh my god. <laughs> they,
5: they, we went in there my first year as a head coach. Thirty they seconds. Threw a jump ball up in the air. They called the foul on Beasley on the jump ball.
4: <laughs> That's because they scared you, Frank. You know my That's first right. ever my first ever road win is in Lars, Kansas. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> is that right?
3: <laughs> yeah All right. They didn't yeah, think well, we well, were any good, so they're <laughs> coming, <we're> coming back, <laughs> coming back, coming back. Five, two, one welcome back to the field of 68 after dark we are here sirius xm channel 84 the espn station we're live over on youtube if you're watching there hit that like button hit that subscribe button jump in the chat ask us some questions if we get to 300 likes on this video jeff goodman has said that he will chug a beer in the afters that i don't is, have uh, a he, beer i don't even have promised, a beer he promised he said he's going to chug a beer in the afters for 300 yeah, likes know. Um, I'm Rob Dosser. I have Jeff Goodman. I have Mike Boyd. I have Frank Martin here with me. We got to talk a little bit about this Villanova game, guys. They are just a machine. Jeff, I'm going to, I'm going to put it to you like this. They knocked off, uh, Michigan tonight. Uh, the final score ended up being 63 to 55. Colin Gillespie had, uh, he had 12 points, six rebounds to assists. Jermaine Samuels had 22. He outplayed Hunter Dickinson. Um, you know who they're really reminding me of right now, Jeff? The 2016 version of Villanova, and the reason I say that—if you remember—that team got smacked by Oklahoma at some event out. I don't even remember what yeah. it was, but some event out Hawaii. We all wrote them off. That we didn't think they had any pros. We thought they wasn't it on they a didn't ship have,
1: or
2: something. Wasn't it? It was,
3: a ship it was one of those yeah. weird things, like one of those weird. You know what it was? It was the Pearl Harbor Memorial, right. something or other. Yeah. Um, but they got smacked. We said they didn't have any pros. We said they didn't have guys that were good enough. We said they couldn't win a national title. They ended up winning a national title that season. That's who this group reminds me of a little bit. They've gotten better.
2: There, you know what? I, I said this for the last month. Like, don't write Villanova off. He played six dudes tonight. You know, Brandon Slater can't score. Um, you know, Caleb Daniels came off the bench, gave him a little bit. But, you know, it was kind of their defense tonight. I thought that, that stepped up as much as anything. And, they, you know, I think, again, it, you're going to have to let Hunter Dickinson get his in this one, right? You let him get his, and you make sure some of those other guys, the Eli Brookses and the Caleb Houston's, don't get going. Because when those guys got going this year, that's when Michigan was tough to beat. That's when they won their games. Uh, I, I just think, again, Villanova, their culture can't be under – it can't be overstated. I guess is is what I'm looking for here. Like, you know how sometimes we just make these things, we say them over and over and we start to believe them. Like, Villanova is real. Like, that shit is real with Villanova in their culture. They've won two tournaments, two titles. Listen, Coach K, Cal, none of those dudes, nobody else has won two titles in the last 10 years. Villanova's done it. And it's gone from Ryan Archie Diacono to Jalen Brunson to Colin Gillespie. And Colin Gillespie, might be more like Arch than Jalen Brunson. I don't know if he makes it in the NBA long-term, but he is one hell of a college point guard, the best in the country, the guy that I'll take over everybody else.
3: Arch lasted like five, six years in the yep. NBA. Like yep. that, that's, that. that is about as long-term as you can get without being a, a superstar. So he got, he got plenty of checks. He's, uh, he's not gonna be hurting for money for a while. Mike, what's your take on Villanova?
4: Yeah, I mean, in many ways, like Houston, Right, they have an identity, and each kid in their program understands what it takes to be able to play in that program. And you hear the kids talk about it when they interview. Uh, they still red shirt guys. They have an all American right now that's not playing for him. He was at USA Basketball 19 under. I'm drawing a blank on his name. He's a Jersey kid. Um, his time will come, and and he he will he'll figure it out. You know, but. What they have is they have a respect for the way the game's supposed to be played to win. Yeah. To yeah. win. Right. And so, you know, on a night like tonight, Samuels, maybe on Saturday, it's Dixon. It, it, it could be, uh, it could be Colin Gillespie, you know, and, and they're okay with that. You know, no, you, you don't see a whole lot of selfish basketball and, and almost every team. You can watch them and you can sense a little bit of poor shot selection, right? They make the one more every time. If a guy's hoping for a better shot, they just every pass time. the ball. They just pass on the ball.
2: It's know? amazing. Um, I mean, you guys must all look at them and just be like, I wish my players played that way. All my players. It, Am I wrong?
4: wrong? My second year, we played them in Orlando. And, and it's hard to quantify it. It's hard to really prepare for it because they do it so with so much conviction right they never stop playing the way they're supposed to play we were down 18 to them with like two minutes to go and and the loose ball happened and our guys reached for it and they had two dudes dive on the ball And they had all the guys on the bench up clapping like the game was on the line. The game was not on the line. It was over. (laughs) Well,
3: that's that's the thing that stood out to me tonight was that you don't I don't think people associate that kind of play, that toughness, that physicality, that effort play with Villanova the way they would with someone like a Houston or like a Frank Martin, South Carolina team, or like your teams, Mike, that I think they kind of, they don't, they don't think of that, but then the moments that stood out to me, there was the block that Caleb Daniels had from behind that he shouldn't have been able to get to. There was that, that one scrum where Villanova got two blocks and they dove on the ball out of bounds. And then Colin Gillespie came up uh, limping right at the end of the first half. You guys, you guys remember that? And, Um, It was little plays like that to get you those extra possessions that save you those two points. You do that three, four, five times a game. All of a sudden that's what that's the difference between uh, losing by five and winning by five.
4: No doubt.
5: You know, if, if you remember, I don't know, about 10 years ago, Jay for the first time in his career got wrapped up recruiting rankings. Sure did. And he went through a nasty two, three year period where he said enough of this, Uh, you know, if I told you to give me the rankings of anyone on Houston's team, I bet you other than Josh Carlton, you guys would have no idea what two stars or nine stars or whatever the hell they were. And same thing with Villanova guys, you know, they usually have Villanova because they're where they're at in the East coast. They usually have that one high profile player, but I, I was in Philly to go see a guy we signed. And his team was playing against Archbishop Wood High School. And I'm sitting there with my assistant watching the game. And I'm saying, where's that white kid going to school? And my assistant says, who? I said, not the guy we signed. The guy that's busting the guy we signed is his rear end. Where's he going to school? And the coach at Archbishop Wood's a friend. And my assistant says, I'm not sure who he is. And, and I said, well, we need to go talk to find out who this kid is. He's best player Frank, on the floor.
3: Frank, and, give me one second. We're, we're going to leave that as a tease because we are, we're up against time. We got a heart yeah. out here. This has been the Field of 68 After Dark for Jeff Goodman, for Mike Boynton, for Frank Martin. My name is Rob Doster. Join us in the afters on the YouTube channel now. And finish the story, Frank. Sorry.
5: Yeah, no, that's right. And, and so – I go home and I don't even remember his name. And now here's like a year later, I'm what there's certain teams that, even though they're not my league, when they play, I watch them. Villanova's one of them. And I'm watching Villanova play. And I'm like, that's that kid. So I call my assistant. I'm like, yo, he goes, yeah, that's him. So why the hell did we recruit him? Like nobody wanted him. And, (laughs) and it's, um, Gillespie. You, 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 you have to. Wasn't no, it Gillespie? Yeah, that's exactly who it is. But my point was, it, you have to decide as a coach what you want to recruit. Do you want to recruit the guys who are going to help you create the identity that you want your team to play through? Or do you want to recruit the high-profile guys that get the Jeff Goodmans of the world, tell, you, tell everybody that that guy's a great recruiter? And, you know, but now when you're a great recruiter, your team's not going to have an identity. You're going to have to reinvent yourself every year based on the talent of your individual players. You know, when you're a great recruiter for recruiting stars, when you recruit guys that fit the personality that you want your program to be about, then you can maybe come close to trying to be what Villanova or Houston or one of those schools do. I
3: mean, look who's won the recent national titles. Baylor fits that mold. Exactly. Yeah. Virginia fit that mold. Exactly. Villanova fit that mold. Exactly. We're just talking about Villanova. Right. So it's, I think culture more than anything else is, is, but it's changed,
2: right? Don't you guys feel like it, it's changed uh, over the last 10 or so years to where that's, that's more the case again. I mean, I, I feel like it's the separator, you know, I'm here in, in in Chicago and I'm talking to the coaches who are here. And the common denominator in all of these Providence, Iowa State, Miami, even Kansas, it's it's culture, it's chemistry, it's high character, low maintenance kids. I'm they're all saying it. You, and you I know left, these coaches well. You
5: left the one most important word. Go ahead. Old.
2: Old. Old. They're all old. Absolutely.
5: Mike, yes. Mike, you 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 can speak on this. It's a lot easier to get an old player to sacrifice to win than it is to get a young player to sacrifice to win. Would you agree with that? No, no question.
4: I'll tell you guys a quick story. This is this happened yesterday, just yesterday. I have two consecutive recruiting calls. One's with a high school kid, supposedly highly touted. Yeah. In part of the conversation, he wants me to tell him how many minutes he's going to play. <laughs> not honest i'm I'm honest i'm just honest i know people do that but i said dude i have no idea i don't even know what language of basketball you speak like do you understand how to block out or make an extra pass or cut or screen probably not so if you come here when you get here we're going to try to teach you how to play i had that conversation and 30 minutes later i have a conversation with a kid that's in the portal he says coach i'm just looking for an opportunity to go to a place where I can have success. And so a kid who's older has been through that young, he probably was the same way as a high school kid when he was a high school kid, but he now understands there's no way for me in March to tell you how many minutes you're gonna play for my team in January.
2: Ridiculous, (laughs) ridiculous.
4: But someone's telling him that he's going to play 25 minutes. You have
2: to ask, though. Well, somebody's telling him to ask that question.
4: No, but it's insane. And and I'm thinking to myself, whoever gets hit that tells him this is the expectation, there's no way it's going to work. There's no way. And, and so there's no question. To your point, Frank, <laughs> older kids have a better understanding of what it takes to win in college. Yeah. The work that when you tell them that, you know, what they're doing isn't good enough. It's not the first time they've heard it. These high school kids, you're the first person to tell them that they're not good enough to help you win.
3: All right, Dagan, we got anything good in the chat? We got any good questions coming in? We actually just had
1: one from uh, Brandon. He wants to know uh, the difference when it comes to recruiting, um, in, you know, location versus culture. And I'll obviously leave this to the two coaches. Uh, what is more important um, for you guys or and more important in your pitch, I guess, uh, location or culture?
4: You say location?
1: Yes. So, like, in terms of recruiting somebody to, like to a location versus the culture of a program, That's what I'm assuming is what the question is asking. I don't get it. I don't understand the question, yeah. really.
3: I think it means like recruiting people that are kind of close to your region. I don't know. I'll
1: read I'll read, it, I'll, read it, I'll read it word for word. Here we go. Ready? I wanted to know how <laughs> Coach thought about location versus culture and how it was. A little, okay, this one's. More for, for Coach Martin at Kansas State. You always hear that location with Kansas State is the issue, but then you look at Waco and Lubbock, et cetera. There we go. That hopefully clears it up a little bit. How I mean, hard I, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah I, I, it, it's You got to find
5: people that, number one, regardless of where you're located, whether you're in Stillwater, Oklahoma, Manhattan, Kansas, Columbia, South Carolina, uh, you know, New York City, you got to find people. Uh, that, that, that can connect with you, not their talent, not where they want to live. Cause I, I've, I've seen, I've, I get a lot of emails or I did up until 10 days ago, guys that really wanted to be in Columbia, South Carolina, but couldn't play a lick that doesn't help me. You know, it, it's in, in, you know, so it's, it's, uh. By the way, if you need
2: to email Frank, it, it's FrankTheTank at tank at gmail.com. Okay, that, that's that's his is, new you know what?
5: I'm going to change my Gmail to that. I, I'm, you know, it's, I'm going to, uh, oh, I'm going to, uh, um, but it's it's, uh, uh, I, I don't care where your school's located. You 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 know, if if you go out recruiting and say, Hey Goodman, I want you to come to school at school A.
1: You,
5: you, are, you know, it's a small town, kind of in the middle of nowhere, but but you know, it, it's gonna be fun. You're gonna say, I ain't going there. You know, you you got you can't be worried about where your school's located. You got to go in there and recruit as to why all the good your place has. And get people excited about where you're at, and then it's got to be somebody
2: you connect with. You know, it's a, uh, uh, you know, I, and all these people... schools, all your listen. I've been to most of the schools. They all have their their, their, their advantages. I mean, they're, they're all good places. Like, of course, they are. Very few bigger schools, or even like you know, the like a, a biggie school, right? Like that are smaller in stature and numbers. They're all great schools. I mean, how many schools do you go to and you're like, that school sucks. Like I never do that. Never. Of course, of course. And you know, like here, I'm gonna give you a Steve Blake recruiting
5: story. Okay, Steve Blake loved Jim Beheim. Why? Because Jim Beheim plays you at point guard, and you never come out of the game. So when when you when you become Jim Beheim starting point guard. You are never coming out of the game. The problem was that Syracuse was too far away from Miami. So all these other schools are recruiting them. Kentucky, uh, he goes to where? Maryland. Guess what Gary Williams used to do? When you were his point guard, he never recruited another point guard. He never came out of the game. So Steve goes to Maryland and ends up being a four-year starter, averaging 35 minutes a game. And it was a fit you know, what he was looking for fit. And he wanted to play for a coach that demanded not, 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 you know, he didn't like laid back guys, not that guys are laid back, but you know, just, he wanted to be around somebody who was demanding. So he picked Gary Williams. Well, guess what happens? Steve Blake goes to Maryland, all the recruiting experts say he's in over his head. He'll never succeed. Well, won a national championship and went to another final four the following year after they lost Juan Dixon and Lonnie Baxter and played 14 years in the NBA. Why? Cause he found a place where it was a good connect regardless of the location.
2: Hey, Frank, we, we asked Mike this, uh, when he was on with us last week. So I'm going to ask you to give me your, and I'm going to change it up a little bit because Frank's a little older than you, Mike. Well, a lot older than you. Um, we are going to go with what is your favorite in-home recruiting story? Because those were awesome. Like when you had the in homes back in the day, I still I've heard, do them. You still do them. I mean, they're occasional now, though. They're not as prevalent as they used to be, and they're not as entertaining. Like I have one, and I won't. I won't say I'm, who the coach I, I've was. I've got the perfect one, but go All ahead. Right. I mean, well, my one. I'll, I'll do the Cliff Notes version, but basically. Coaches go in, um, kid and his family are sitting there. Uh, it's back in the days of the VCR, and they're like uh, – they give him the tape to plug in to show him, you know, whatever they're going to show him about the program and whatever. No, they – dad goes in, puts in the tape and in the VCR, plays it, get ready. Everybody's sitting around, ready to go. Yeah, it's a, it's a porno. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm that'd not gonna be, say who that was. That'd be a problem that was that was they hey they didn't get that kid they did no, not they, that
4: get did not that, that a kid. Problem. That's,
2: they did not get them yeah
4: that, well, frank, they they probably what, didn't have what, a job either <laughs> hey, hey
5: hey what what year was that because if that happens <laughs> in today's <laughs> day and age oh, you're, <laughs> done. you're done holy sh- I'm, I'm going back with Dowster to serve roman Coke for a living i mean <laughs> was, like, hey
2: frank i said vcr so it was a while ago oh my god yeah yeah, yeah. i here here's 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 a classic. And and we've all
5: been through a whole lot of like interesting visits. But uh PJ Dozier, you know, yeah. it's uh everyone's telling, you know, McDonald, all American, the uncles, the, the uncle, the dad, the sister, they all play to South Carolina. Um everyone's saying Frank got no chance to recruit him. I'm going up against North Carolina, Louisville, Michigan, and ah, Frank got no chance, Frank got no chance. And I'm in, we're in there. So now we're going in for the home visit and it was a legit recruitment. It wasn't, you got to recruit nine different dudes before you get to the family, it was a legit deal. So we're sitting in his house. We got the whole staff there. We're sitting in this kind of like half circle. And on the couch in front of me are Matt Figure, Perry Clark. And then I'm sitting like directly in front of them And then the Dozier family, they're in chairs, like in a half circle next to me. So I'm talking, first of all, Matt Figger's talking. So they're all looking at him. And then I start talking, so everyone's looking at me. And as I'm talking, I turn around, Perry Clark is sound asleep, (laughs) sound asleep, Jeff.
2: He is, he ain't even, he is like this. Is he like, wait, wait, is he like this? No, is he like can you can you see my daughter? No, because you see my daughter over there?
5: At least that's comfortable. (laughs) He is sitting there and that head is boom gone. Sound and now so now I'm I'm like, i I can't shut up because if I shut up, they're gonna turn around, they're gonna see my my associate head coach sleeping throwing shit at him. So now I like won't shut up. I keep talking and I keep trying to like make eye contact with figure <laughs> to like tell him like like hit wake him up wake his ass <laughs> up so now I, I finally run out of things i'm gone like on a 30 minute like non stop sermon and finally I, I run out of stuff to say and i just i just stop and as soon as i stop perry goes from head down deep sleep jumps up and goes ah hey! And this is where Frank's going to be great for you. Frank is like, if you're a swimmer, he's the guy that takes everything out of the water so you can swim right. And
2: I'm sitting there, I'm like, holy cow! What just
5: happened? True story, too. I was That's so good. great. I said, if I shut up, this family's going to say, what kind of clowns have they hired <laughs> in South Carolina?
2: At least at least, I delayed it for 10 years before they
3: realized where I'm a bunch of clowns. But
2: did, did you ever, hey, did you guys ever hear the one of the coach that clogged the toilet? No. Coach Coach went upstairs, had to had to drop a deuce, and he goes upstairs and <laughs> it drops a deuce and it won't flush. Won't That's flush. <laughs> <villain>. <laughs> he tries to, like, get in there. Can't do That's, anything. That, it was, it was be, an assistant. That might
4: be worse than in a VCR tape. So. <laughs> it, was, it was an assistant, too. So he
2: literally <laughs> walks downstairs. He's like, hey, coach, we got to go. we me get this kid. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I could have written a book. I think I did it. I think back when I was at Fox, I did like the 10 best stories without dropping the names of, of each. I've but I paid. should write a book.
5: I'm, I'm, I'm at K state and we go into Atlanta and we're doing a home visit. I, you guys might remember the name, Wesley Witherspoon.
2: Sure. Oh yeah. Sure. And
5: I'm sitting in Wesley's house and we worked at Delante had worked at really Delonte Hill. That is, he had worked at really, really hard and we're in there and we're right in the middle of our presentation. I mean, like, we're like blowing this family away. And all of a sudden the mother says, uh, can I ask you guys something real quick? I, absolutely, ma'am. She said, John Perry's outside. Are you okay if he comes in? For <laughs> I
2: was like, are you
5: are you shitting me? And she goes, no, he he's he's right outside the door. <laughs> I said, no, man, we're out. Open the door, it's... Cal. And, Cal and Orlando are standing right outside the door. I said, yo, man, it's all yours. We're out. And it's...
2: We, we got no chance if
5: they oh, want Cal
2: in. They want us
5: out. I like they're looking like like they're like they got me thinking like holy cow they really really like this presentation all of a sudden he goes <laughs> can I ask you a question I say is it okay if Calipari comes in for the second half of the vision?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love those stories I I should, we should ask every coach we ever get on their best like one or two put them together and have have kind of like story time like how good would that be Dustin.
3: I, I don't think you actually Mike, did we get your best recruiting story? I thought we did. Yeah. We yeah, no, we asked him for a Cade Cunningham. It was story. a kid, Yeah, it was a kid Cunningham. Yeah. Oh, all right, yeah, yeah. all right, Mike. You got to give us something
4: good here, Mike. I, I hadn't even thought of it, man. This um hey,
5: he worked for
4: Brad Underwood, so I know he's got
2: some good home <laughs> yeah. visit. He's scared. Hey, hey Frank, cool. he's still employed right now.
5: Listen, you, you know what we used to every time Brad opened his mouth. You know what we used to call them? Brad facts. That means they're straight (laughs) up lies. Every time he'd say anything, we say Brad fact.
3: (laughs) Well, you think about it, I'll give you a quick one that I was told by a buddy of mine. He was working out. I'm not going to say the school because I think it might give it away. But um, one of the one of those small schools in Texas down by the border and and they're recruiting this kid uh, from, I think, Arizona, who was getting like. Mountain West offers it was it was a little bit above their their range and uh his whole pitch is like look we have this great Latin American community uh people are going to speak your language your food's going to be here it's going to feel like you're right at home um that's his whole pitch and he's in there and like I think this kid really is is vibing with this idea that he could be here and and works with the with with the the community that he would be living in um and so he turns on a live stream right he's watching a live stream of the kid's senior night and he comes out there and he walks out there with his parents and the dad's black and the mom's white the kid has no hispanic blood at all in him and he's like why, why wouldn't you tell me that 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 you weren't mexican And he's like it was too funny coach i just had to go with the joke <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's awesome that
5: hey that reminds me of another one i don't mean to Take up all the time, but shit, I got nothing to do tomorrow. I, I got to my <laughs> Mike, Mike's got to worry about calling recruits and dealing with freshmen. Mike's to like one Frank. Give it to play, Frank.
2: Be done already.
5: I got, I got shit. I got, I got sit in my backyard <laughs> and look at the trees. I, <laughs> I got shit to do, but I, I fly into New York and and I go straight to go sit down with Jordan Enriquez, and at the Gauchos gym, and Jordan. You know, anytime I see a Hispanic name, you know, and he's a good player, I'm like, I'm calling because I've got a slight advantage to most guys in the business. So I fly in, get to the Gauchos gym, in walks J.O. We we sit down and I'm like, I'm going to hit him right between the eyes with this Spanish. And I start speaking Spanish like bloom, 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 bloom. Like, and he's looking at me like I got six heads. So finally, I said in Spanish. I'm like, uh, he wouldn't answer me. So I said, You're looking at me kind of funny, man. Are you all right? He says, Coach, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> I said, No, much for that recruiting advantage. I, I could
4: have saved myself 10 minutes of talking. It's uh. Mike,
2: you got anything?
4: Yeah, yeah, I'll give you one. I, um, I'm working for Darren at South Carolina. Um, and You know, we obviously, we got off to a good start and then struggled for a few years. And we we really need to get uh, Bryce Johnson from Orangeburg, South Carolina, okay? So we're recruiting Bryce Johnson. He's playing on a small local AAU team called the South Carolina Ravens. You know, they they weren't very good. So they didn't make peace champ. So great. Except at the time they allowed kids like him to go play for other EYBL teams in the PCM if they wanted to. So he's going to go play for CP3 in the PCM. So now we're like, all right, we got to go PCM and try to keep this kid on the wraps. So he had been to campus, Orangeburg is 30 minutes from Columbia. He had been on campus probably 50 times. And the first day out, and Bryce was just okay, unassuming kid, grew up a Florida fan. It's us, Florida, and Clemson. That's it. So that same year, Dewan Coleman, who had play for albany city rocks was coming out and north carolina was recruiting him so you guys know how the gym at pcm is, is situated um roy comes in the gym and he's going to see Dewan coleman but he realizes he's in the wrong place and he has to walk through the, the gym and before he could get there he stops because the game's going on and bryce johnson has probably the best two minute stretch of his life he blocks like three shots has a tip dunk And Roy sits down and Darren sitting next to me and I look at him and say, we got problems. That's it. I think Bryce had been to campus probably 50 times, literally between his freshman and junior year. He never came back to campus again. (laughs) (laughs) And as you know, the story ends, he goes to North Carolina, he becomes a decent player. And, you know, we were in the unemployment line at at South Carolina not not long after. (laughs) Decent player. He didn't
2: play until his senior year. Didn't play till the senior year, man. He, he was a really good player, though. At the end of the day, once he had confidence, he was really good. Uh, all right, let's do our three cheers.
3: Yeah, we we wrap it up, Frank. I don't know if you you were made aware of this. We wrap it up with a, 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 a everyone cheers is something. Everyone's got to toast something. So, Mike, we'll go to you first. What are you toasting tonight?
4: I'm cheersing um, Kelvin Sampson, man. Um, you know, for him to to obviously knock off Arizona, but you know, to lose his top two scores, to be able to continue to build his program through the culture that they have, and to be 40 minutes away from the final four for a second consecutive year. You know, Crazy. when he had been, you know, 10 years ago, that dude was cast aside,
0: you know, sure unnecessarily
4: was. so, too. And I think he deserves to be talked about more as one of the best coaches in the history of our game, not just uh-huh. now, not this year. Calvin Sampson is a really, really good dude, a really good coach. And so my cheers is to Calvin Sampson for being close to a final four game. Cheers to Kelvin Sampson.
3: Here's a fun hypothetical. How good is the Indiana University basketball program right now if Kelvin Sampson doesn't uh, make the phone calls? Tweet. You stole my tweet. I stole it. I stole it. I stole I, it. I stole it. It's a good question. It's a good hypothetical. It. Don't you steal without you're, attribution. You're, I was gonna I was gonna attribute it no, to you, you at the not. end you were at the not. end there was no going way to. <laughs> you were gonna
5: attribute shit to me. Come on. You, you, um, you, we, we quote books,
2: not Twitter.
3: Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> Twitter is like a book these days.
3: Same thing. Yep. Go uh, ahead, Frank. Frank. Wh- Frank, who are you toasting?
2: I, I
5: toast uh, Shaheen Holloway. Um, you know it's uh, remember him like yesterday as a point guard at St. Pat's playing for my boy Kevin Boyle. I was still on the high school ranks and, and he was small, but he was an unbelievable competitor. He was fearless and, uh, and, and that's how he played and that's how he took Seton Hall to the Sweet 16 when he was there, uh, started his coaching career, uh, you know, didn't sit around and wait for the easy job, uh, took probably the hardest job in that league that he's in. And now he's got St. Peter's playing the same way he used to play. Fearless, relentless, uh, and winner. So uh, here's to Shaheen Holloway. uh, Not taking advantage of his playing career, actually taking advantage of coaching opportunities and make himself a hell of a coach.
3: Yep. Cheers. Cheers to Shaheen Holloway. Goodman, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to cheers to the coach who
2: lives to coach another day. Coach K. I mean, who else? Like, it's his night tonight, right? I mean, he's he's one away from the Final Four. He is three away from – I mean, imagine if he cuts down the nets and wins the whole damn thing in New Orleans. Like, seriously, just think about that, guys. Like, what that storyline will will be like if it actually happens. Like, he will – Frank will have to be there with boxes of Kleenex because he will be crying so much between him, his wife, his kids, his grandkids. Frank will have nothing else to do. So we'll, we'll have him there under the ladder and he can just be handing Kleenex to Coach K.
3: You know what? We could have you, Frank, you'll be the, the scissors guy. Whenever they need to cut down the, next, <laughs> the right. next part of the net, you hand him the scissors. How are you with heights, Frank?
5: I hate heights. You don't understand. (laughs) When I, when I got up on that ladder to cut down the nets in New York, I thought I just had to cut down like one, one loop. they're like, no, no, you got to cut down the whole net. I'm like, like, get me (laughs) off of this thing. Uh, All
3: right. So uh, my, my toast is going to go out to uh, Jeremy Roach, guys like Jeff Goodman and myself have been saying that he's not good enough all season long. Uh, he hit the three to give him a little bit of breathing room, the dagger against Michigan State. Tonight, he had two huge runners in the lane and an, an assist to uh, – I think it was – a. they go on a little 8-0 run there at the end um, yeah. to kind of pull away from Texas Tech. So, Jeremy Roach got it done. If he plays like he did tonight, Duke's going to end up cutting down those nets like Frank Martin did. I have,
2: I have one more toast before we go to bed. I, I, I'm toasting my daughter who's over here. She's been sleeping through the entire show,
3: the entire <laughs> hour cheers, and a half. Cheers. And, cheers and to the talented Talia, Goodman.
2: Talia now knows how hard work it is, how difficult it is to do my job because she was with me all day, and she's passed out right now. So, I love it.
4: I love, and but breaks, I did. And, 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 and 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 listen. Tell her she missed all the breaking news from last night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say,
2: Frank Martin, Mike Boynton, they wanted to give you all this breaking news, and you were, you slept right through it. But I, I will say one thing, guys. I will say one thing. Uh, she's 18 years old. She's off to college in about five months. Today was one of the best days I've ever had, and, and covering the sport. and it, The games are tomorrow night, but yeah, you know, spent the whole day with her. We went out. We watched games tonight. Came back. We're gonna do it again tomorrow. We're gonna to do it again Saturday, again Sunday. And uh, doesn't get any better than this. It doesn't.
3: Yeah, sentimental, think, Goodman.
2: I, I I think I think I uh, I was one of her first interviews. You were. You
5: were. Well, tell her I'm unemployed now, so I got a lot of free time. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I can do interviews. You'll, you'll be. You'll get your phone
2: ring tomorrow.
5: I can, I could I, I got, you know, I'd just sit around and But, double cheers to you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, cheers. It. Thanks this guys. This is um, great. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you, Frank Martin. Thank you, Mike Boynton. Yeah. Thanks to Jeff Gooden. Thank you to our producer Dagan Hughes and thank you as always to the chat It has been lively as hell in there tonight. This has been the field of 68 after dark. We'll see you guys tomorrow once again at midnight.